What is up? Listen, what is going on? Good morning to you. It is um, a beautiful morning. Cold, a little cold for it to be made, but who cares, man? Listen, um, as hell as I guess some people who want it to be summer, I guess they care. I feel you, man. But listen, um, boy, do I have a treat for you this morning. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a little something of a book that I wrote, um, back in, um, the day. And this is called, it's called The Book of the Bad Boys by Tim McAvey Lee. You can find this bad boy. You can find this joint. Uh, you can find this book on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble's online bookstore. But what I want to do, it called our bullshit, I feel the anointing of God already on it. But what I want to do is I just want to simply read a little something, something, read a little something, something out of a couple of the chapters. I'm going to read the whole thing out of all the chapters, anything. I'm just going to read a little something, something out of there to pique your interest and get you to understand what the book is all about. Now, this is a book that was it's written... Um, have you ever seen a movie and they say the movie is based on a true story? When you see a when you see a movie and it says that it's based on a true story, that means that the story they're telling is based off accounts that um might have happened in history. That that doesn't mean necessarily mean the whole movie and everything that goes on in that movie actually happened or is true, but it's basically fiction based off truth. And that's what this book is. I, it, the, the truth is the word of God. The truth is the Bible. We know that. And in the book of the bad boys is just simply um, a book that's based off um, uh, a truth of the Bible. And it's a book of fiction, but it's based off truth. Let me read you a little something, something here. For instance, um, you, never, you ever seen that movie, Remember the Titans, and uh, starring Denzel Washington? And, and had the, had the high school football program that they had to overcome racism and had to integrate and whatnot and and of course during those times people did not want to see that happen people did not want to see people of, of color and of other races coming together to, and different things and people wanted to keep things like they were and uh, this uh, football team uh, that year they went thir- they went thirteen and zero I believe and they won a state championship together and. And, and Denzel Washington was coach, a black coach, and, um, and the people didn't want it, it to go down. And 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 and, and people of the town was it was some of them were full of racism. And and in the movie, um, Shakarabu. In the movie, what happened was Denzel Washington. Uh, they were at home, um, and the gentleman he was playing, him and his wife, and his daughter, and young daughter, and another coach's um, daughter, and and someone shot. Or through uh, a rock or something through the, um, the window in the movie, and they got to interviewing the real man that uh, actually that Denzel Washington played, and the, and his name was uh, Herman Boone, and 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 the coach he began to explain um, some different things because they was doing a little documentary on the movie, and the coach had to explain to them well that part of the movie didn't actually happen that way. He said they didn't throw a rock through my um window. They actually threw a commode, a toilet through the window with feces in it. Hmm. But they didn't put that part. They said in the movie it posted says you just threw a rock. See that's what I'm saying. Is is it was the movie is based on accounts and and that's what this book is about. Um, certain things in the Bible, certain stories in the Bible I, I've taken and. and 
and um and and and, 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 and made a story um, of different things to pique your interest. Because you got to understand something. Everybody's not gonna. Some people just won't pick up the Bible until you pique their interest. Some folks will never enter into your church. It's just not going to happen, man. I don't care how many programs you do. I don't care how many times you get on the radio. I don't care how many flyers you send out. I don't care how many times you show up on TBN and ESPN and CNN, whatever you got going on. Some folks, I'm sorry, just not going to show up in your church. That's not going to appeal to them. But that doesn't mean they will will not eventually one day be saved and filled up with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't believe that, do you? There was a man in the Bible. He was a thief on the cross. Bible even can't even mention his name. They said he was a thief on the cross. Dying with Jesus on that cross alongside him. And this man said to Jesus, listen, we deserve what we're going through. Me and this other thief that's being crucified. But you don't deserve what you're going through. He says, listen, when you enter into your kingdom, he tells Jesus, listen, remember me. Lord have mercy. And Jesus said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Man hadn't went, man hadn't went to nobody. None of that stuff. Man was dying for his sin. But he believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because somebody must have witnessed he must have heard about Jesus. See, see, all you gotta do is believe. If you confess your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from, the, from the, the grave, and thou shalt be saved. He didn't say if you go to church, you're gonna be saved. He didn't say that. And so what I'm saying, what am I saying? Am I saying don't go to church? No. You gotta be a crazy man to think I'm saying that. What I'm saying simply is this: everybody's not gonna be saved the same way. It's not gonna be um in a choir stand. It's not going to be in a, a, a hot revival in the choir saying somebody, somebody just going to get saved on the street corner, man. Street corner, man. See, the problem, I think the problem with the church nowadays, and I'm getting off course, but I think the problem with the church nowadays, we keep trying to get members instead of getting people saved. We, we, we're study trying to get membership. We're trying to get that membership up there, but, we ain't, we, we, but no, we need to get people saved. It don't matter what church it goes, we need to get people saved. But let me, let me read you something. Um, about it says the book of the bad boys is about men that were bad, violent, mean, sexual, adulterous, bold, and mighty men of valor. Uh, however, they all had issues and character flaws. God used these men to change the course of history through their imperfect imperfection, through their imperfection. God made perfection. I see what's up with that. You don't have to be perfect to serve a perfect God. Watch these men miss the ball and still hit a home run. Enjoy. Uh, listen, listen, I just want some things in that. Now, of course, this is one of my. This is. I think this is the second book I've written. So, I've. I, I like to think I've become a much better writer since then. Yeah, I, I like to think that. <laughs> but I just want to read you a little something, something out of ch uh, chapter one. It's called the Book of the Bad Boys. It's the the uh, the first chapter in this book is called Adam, the first bad boy. Now, now, um, it, this the, what I'm getting ready to read may shock you. It may shock you, but 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 listen, bear with me, bear with me, and I um guarantee you that um God will bless your spirit. Adam is nervous. Tonight is going to be his first night having sex with his wife, and he wants everything to be perfect. The only problem is that Adam has never had sex before. He is a virgin. 
It is a good to know there are some virgins in the world. But wait, Adam is no, has no choice but to be a virgin. He is the first man on earth. Any man of the world these days would probably love being the only man on the earth. But there is a catch to this situation. There are no women on the earth either. That explains why Adam is a virgin. The first woman that was created was his wife, Eve. Adam has never had sex with her or anyone because he was the first male created. He has never kissed a girl before or made her feel good from his touch. He has never heard a girl moan from passionate lovemaking while he enjoyed her body. Adam has no experience at all with women. He doesn't have he didn't have HBO late night movies to watch or internet available to research porn so he could learn moves or on how he would make love to a woman. Most men had a girlfriend or two or maybe even 200 before they get married, but who's counting? When Adam was created, he was the only man around. Men can usually remember their first sexual experience or the first time they put their hand up a girl's skirt while at the movies. Most men often grow up with their father telling them about the birds and the bees. Fathers guide their sons' attitudes towards women. Young men look up to their father and they watch how their father treats their mother physically, spiritually. And yes, most children are awake listening to their father make love to their mother at night. But Adam hasn't experienced any of this because he was born a grown man. In high school locker rooms, men often speak of their sexual exploits to other men, which leads other men gaining experience from their conversations of what men and women want in the bedroom. Adam hasn't even had so much as a first date, yet he is already married. So next time you tell someone they are getting married too soon, they may look at you and say, well, it all started with Adam, so I'm good. Adam's getting married, and he doesn't even know what he is getting himself into. But trust me, no one really knows what they're getting into when they get married. <laughs> Just a little something, something. Let me read a little further for you. It's an experience like no other. Getting married with no sexual experience can make some nervous on the honeymoon night. But when your partner has no experience either, then you can explore each other's bodies and find out what you like or don't like. Eve, Adam's wife, has no sexual experience either. She has never been kissed, touched, or caressed by any man. Eve didn't have a big sister she could ask about boys and what they are like. Just like Adam, Eve didn't have any late night showtime movies to watch while your parents were asleep. You know the ones you watch, as soon as you hear your parents wake up, you quickly change the channel. You know, those kind of movies. That often happens right at the good part of a movie when you're just getting into it. How can Eve know how to please a man in the bedroom if she has never been there before? Eve wonders these things in her mind. She thinks to herself, would my husband like my love making to the point that all he wants is me and only me? Adam and Eve think on these things as their honeymoon night fast approaches. Adam and Eve have the good have the God created method of marriage, and that is no sex before marriage. Most people today have already sampled the goods before the wedding night. 
So they pretty much know what they are getting into and what to do in the bedroom. I just hope that those people haven't already spoiled a surprise. Sex hasn't already become routine to them. Can you imagine marrying someone that you have never slept with or seen naked before? These days, those things seem odd. They're not the norm. What happens when you do see them naked or make love to them, it is not what you expected. Reality often kills expectation, or your expectation keeps you alive while you endure your reality. Adam and Eve are two souls that don't know what they are getting into. But if God is in it, he will make it work. So let the love making begin. And after Adam is done making love to Eve, she would think he invented sex. See love. Listen, just a little something, something. This is one of the little excerpts that I want to uh, uh, read to you to get you to understand uh, what this book of the bad boys is actually about. And you can see just from a small sample size of what um, I'm talking about when I say this is um, a book based off of truth it's a book based off a true story see the bible is a true story it's truth and this is a book of the bad boys it's just a book i've written based off truth <laughs> i'll put it that way it's another thing uh let, let me read you something from another chapter i might uh, and in this book i talk about different um characters uh i know david is one of them adam is one of them jacob is one of them judah joseph um and there's, there's certain characters, uh, Rahab is in there. Yes, and I know Rahab is a woman. The harlot Rahab is in here. And um, it, it really will bless your spirit. And I have ch uh, scripture references uh, to where I found the uh, certain, um, for, for the stories that I come up with, I have scripture reference to them. And um, um, to what... Um, uh, I'm approaching and writing about. Let me read you something from chapter six of the same book of the Bad Boys. This 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 is chapter six. Um, title of this uh, chapter is called David the King. Um, now, if you're in the Bible reader, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Understand exactly what I'm coming from. But you don't even have to be a Bible reader to enjoy this book, because I believe that this book will um, pique your interest to start opening up the Word of God and seeing exactly what's going on. The problem is that most of the time, I uh, think in the world is. Like I said, we've we've done the world a misjustice by trying to characterize church or trying to characterize the Bible as the holy Bible, but that the men in them wasn't only holy because God made them that way. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but their characters, they had the same character flaws as people in the world. But we have gotten it backwards. Because we have, we have presented ourselves as if we're just so holy and that we're so righteous and that we don't make any mistakes. And that's not the word. There's only one perfect, one perfect man, and that's Jesus. But let me read you about something about David. This is the chapter 6, David the King. Listen to what it says here. David was nervous, anxious, sweating bullets as he sat in church waiting on Nathan the prophet to show up. Usually David was glad when they say unto him, let us go into the house of the Lord. But today he is struggling with regret. Psalms 122 and verse 1. You see, the night before David had committed adultery with another man's wife, 
And he didn't want the prophet to come in and prophesy to him in front of the whole church. That's why people who are struggling with certain sins don't come to church when a prophet is in town. Because they are afraid their business will be in front of the whole world. David is not a man that hides from life's challenges. He usually faces his problems head on. David had gotten himself in trouble before, but he has always repented and made things right with God. But the situation that David was in this time was different. It's something that he had never experienced before. David sat in service while praise and worship was going on. He tried to praise God, but in the back of his mind, he kept getting flashbacks of last night's sex capade. See what I'm talking about? I, I don't I don't hold on punches. It, it, it got to be out there. See, well, you can't sugarcoat. See, you're t I'm tired of a preacher sugarcoating the word of God. No, man, you got to show these people that these men and women of Bible had issues. And listen, but see, this, see, that's a reason why in the Old Testament, God brung out um, a lot of his people's business like that. David with the daughters, uh, Samson with the, the things that he went through and different things and Jacob and different people of the Bible. But listen, also, and people say, well, why in the New Testament does he doesn't talk about Peter, James and John like that? Why does he talk about Paul like that? Because the New Testament is all about Jesus. It's all about him taking away the sin and destroying them. That's why they're, because it's not about them once you get to New Testament. It's about Jesus. It's about the scapegoat. <laughs> but that don't mean they ain't got no issues. <laughs> that don't mean that, 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 that doesn't mean that, that nobody in the New Testament didn't have a David situation in their life. You can, you can just read the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and see that. See, that's a chime, so you know I'm telling the truth. Let me tell you, let me show you something else. Well, listen, wow, let me keep reading chapter 7 a little bit. While people are in church praising God, testifying, giving God things, the only thing David can think about is every kiss, every moan, every touch that plays back in his head from the night before. Maybe, just maybe, David could deal with all this better if he was still just a little shepherd boy tending his father's sheep. But now he is the king of all Israel. The king is supposed to set a good example for the people, have excellent moral character like Joseph did back in Egypt. David isn't from the tribe of Joseph. David is from the tribe of Judah. David didn't ask to be king. God anointed him and called him to be king. I guess your calling and anointing doesn't stop you from being human with weaknesses and flaws. David sits in church and fights back his flesh and lets out a praise. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. David's testimony is simple. He will bless the Lord at all times. That means when he is happy, sad, filled with joy, confused, or just slept with another man's wife. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How often when we make a statement or a testimony like, I will bless the Lord at all times, and then immediately our testimony is tested by the mistakes we have made. David praises God and he starts to have flashbacks of how it all began as a little shepherd boy tending his father's sheep. The one day the prophet Samuel showed up and changed David's life forever. See, one prophecy from the man of God can change your life forever. The prophet had received a word from the Lord that he had provided a king among Jesse's sons. And now there was already a king in place by the name of Saul. But God doesn't care. He is going to replace Saul because of his disobedience. You're not too cute that you can't be replaced. And you're not too anointed that God won't raise up another. The prophet Samuel was a bad man. He was the first prophet, a priest, and the last judge. Even though he had all those titles, he was still afraid of King Saul. Saul would kill Samuel if he found out he was anointing a new king while he was still king. That's like a married man getting engaged to another woman while he's still married. If his wife finds out, someone's definitely getting killed. 
God reassures Sam that he is with him and that nothing will by any means hurt him. So he goes to Jesse's house with the faith of God and has sent him and shall protect him. Even men and women of God needs reassuring. Or at least they did back in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. I know these church people today and I know these pastors and preachers of the day don't need no reassuring. But, <laughs> well, I'll just leave that alone. Uh, let me read you something else. I am the vine. Listen, listen, let me, let me read you something from me. Every man of God is only those people who are standing in their own strength don't need anything. For they think they know it all. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Samuel doesn't show up to Jesus' house in his own strength, but in the power of God. When Samuel reached Jesse's house, he tells him that he needs to bring all his sons before him. For God has provided himself a king among his sons. I see I was talking about this last night. See how God worked. Jesus, Jesse, gathers together all his sons. So we think. He makes them pass before Samuel, the prophet. The first son that Samuel looks upon is the oldest. And he says, surely the Lord's anointing is before me. God speaks to Samuel and says, Look not on his countenance or on his height or his stature, because I refuse him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. How many times have people chosen their own husband, wife, or pastor by looking on their outward appearance? This was a mistake that the prophet Samuel was getting ready to make, but God stopped him. There's a word that will stop you from choosing the wrong man. All you have to do is listen and take heed to that word. Now Jesse had eight sons. But only seven were invited to see Samuel the prophet. The other son was out tending the sheep, and his name is David. Finally, after seven of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel, he asked Jesse, Do you have any more sons? Because the Lord has not chosen any of these, and I know I haven't missed God. For God spoke to me as a little boy and told me I was to be a prophet to the nations. First Samuel chapter 3. Jesse said, I have one more son that is out back tending the sheep. He is the youngest. His name is David. David wasn't even invited to the party. And he is the youngest of out of eight sons. Wow. I think Jesse must have been getting in. Jesse must have been getting in it in to have eight sons. Jesse sends his servant to fetch David. For Samuel said that he will not rest until he meets him. David came into the house and then he passed before Samuel. And when what happened to God tells Samuel, up and anoint him, he is the king. David was anointed in the midst of all his brethren. God will prepare a table for you in the midst of your people who think you are belong, don't belong in their presence. In the midst of all your enemies. And sometimes those enemies can be family. Oh. David asked to be king. David didn't ask to be king. Only a crazy man asked to be king. Only a crazy man asks to be the pastor. Only a, the man who shouldn't lead wants to be the leader. David did not want to be king, but God anointed him to be king. You have to run from folks in the church who think they are all that. David was humble and anointed. That's an unbreakable combination that every man of God needs to be humble and anointed. The people who want to be king are dangerous. They depend on their own strength, righteousness, but the humble people depend on the power of grace and mercy. After Samuel anoints David in the midst of his brother, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David mildly. Can you imagine the jealousy in the room from his brothers as David is anointed? After all, David was the youngest brother. In those days, the anointing in the double portion went to the oldest son. David was an exception to the rule. We need exceptional leadership in the church. Jealousy exists when God anoints one man in the church, but people think it should have been someone else. In the church, you have the people's choice, and you have God's anointed. The people chose 
Saul, but God anointed David. Listen, there are some Davids under my voice right now. And your sister is jealous of you. Your mother celebrates you. And your brother wants to be you. And I ain't going to even say that again. Because God, God, God it's anointed me to say that. I can't believe that alone. Listen, this is called the book of the bad boys. You need to get your copy today. Listen, I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Listen, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Listen, you can get this bad boy on Amazon.com. Or Barnes and Numbers Online Bookstore. Look at my future position right there. I just seen my future position. But I'm going to chill out for a minute because sometimes you got to call out. See, I've been in this word so much the last couple of days that I'm, I'm starting to do things that I used to do. See, when you start reading and doing and, and, and reminding yourself who God is, then you will start getting confidence back in yourself that you need to start walking in the calling that God has called you to do. And listen, I'm going to tell you like this. It's called The Book of the Bad Boys by Tim McAvely. Listen, get this. Get this. I'm, I'm just all over the place because I got to just, I'm just, I'm just, woo! Woo! It's going to bless your spirit. It's going to strengthen your heart. It's going to sharpen your faith. Listen, if it's a word, then I must have did it. And if it's not, then I wasn't with it. Stay committed.